0: How blue. You... <laughs> so um okay hey there's a the stormtrooper nice <laughs> yes really nice to see everyone uh really nice to see everybody there good old Jenya <laughs> good old Eela <laughs> right bottom of it. Oi, vai falar sobre a casa? Quando o senhor quiser. And Paula, uh, where are you from, Paula? Uh,
1: originally from Colombia, big um, but I'm from New York City, Bhakti Center. I'm friends with Leela. I'm helping her with the Spanish Bhakti group online, oh, and you, I'm in right. Gainesville, Florida now.
0: Oh, thank you. There's Billy. Billy just went, became unmanifest. And there's Alex. Hey, Billy. Jamuda <laughs> Jeevana And yeah, Alex is not accessing a live picture, but so uh, should we begin? See how much trouble I can get myself in in a, in a very short amount of time. So, <laughs> Lila and I have been talking about things. So, um, should I begin? And then, on okay. you're you're broadcasting to um, the galaxy, right? <laughs> okay. okay.
1: A charity, Dave, is it okay if I just—I know that we all know you—and I'd still like to introduce you for oh, the people sure, who sure. will see this later—and oh, uh, with the understanding that no introduction could ever do it do you justice.
0: I know I—I'm uh, done so many bad things that no introduction <laughs> could ever really take, bring me to justice, but. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. OK, thank you all so much for being here. Welcome, everybody, to our, um, our talk with uh, Acharya Deva from uh, Krishna West New York City and, so, and, and its supporters. So I just want to introduce very briefly Acharya Deva, uh, Das Swami. He's a senior and very well-respected leader of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. He's been a practitioner of bhakti yoga and disciple of Srila Prabhupada since 1970, is that correct? Uh, 69, actually. 1969, sorry. And uh, he has a PhD in Sanskrit. He's helped translate Srila Prabhupada's books into Spanish, as well as helping complete the Srimad Bhagavatam after Srila Prabhupada left his body. And he's also made huge and unparalleled service uh, in helping disseminate Krishna consciousness uh, across uh, all of Latin America, uh, Central America, and, and the world. So I'm so grateful and so happy to to be in your association and that you're taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. And New York says hello.
0: Hey, the uh, I hope somebody offered the Big Apple. <laughs> so... Um, so the topic today is um spiritual friendship in a time where the world is wacko, basically. And uh since friendship is kind of the opposite of strife, of conflict. So without getting myself into hot water, as the saying goes, I, I want to be really careful. Like somehow, yeah, Leela and I had a chance to uh, kind of get all that out of my system. So, but I what I would like to do is, um, I would like to address the fact that we live in a very conflicted world. Uh, especially a very conflicted country, probably exacerbated by the quarantine, which you know, has driven many lesser minds to the brink. And so um, I put on chat for you four verses from the Bhagavad Gita. And I'm going to be speaking about those verses. So uh, if you click on the little chat button that should be in the bottom of your screen, then you can read those verses and follow the bouncing chakra. So, uh, because these verses actually explain why in this time of intense political and social conflict that the, uh, what would you call them fanatics extremists on the left and the right cannot solve the problem they actually are the problem and so i'm not going to take sides uh tempting as that is i will not take sides and instead i want to talk about basically i want to try to demonstrate to you logically that the only real solution for the world's problems and and the country's problems is krishna consciousness And there are very good reasons why that is true. And so rather than being seduced by or polluted by or corrupted by sort of uh, foolish political ideologies, uh, which tend to blatantly ignore history and science on both sides, uh, that actually we should be the peacemakers, we have to bring light to this, not get sucked into one of these, frankly, very stupid, extreme political positions, which as I said, tend to ignore history and science. And uh, Krishna, by the way, says that. Uh, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I'm going to explain more about this in the verses that I posted, that a, that a, Vaishnav, he says in verse um, six nine, which I did not post. If you want me to post all the verses I cite, that will cost you extra. You know, with your uh, the you know the low cost plan that you have right now, just gives you the basic verses. But <laughs> so in um, in at six nine, Krishna says that um, he's talking about who a real yogi is. And he sees, says that one who is Udasina. Udasina. Asina, here I'll, actually I'll, I'm getting very high tech here. I'll, I'll post that word on chat here. This is, uh, and I'll assume that you're honest and will pay me later. So, uh, so that word udasina, Ud means up, actually it's the English word up and, um, or above. And asina, as you probably know, is the present participle from the verb as, from which you get the word, for example, asana. So as means to sit, but in Sanskrit, that word to sit like asana and words made from that uh, also means uh, to remain to remain because in other words, like, for example, even in English, an English colloquial language, you say, well, I'm just going to sit on my position here. I'm just going to, you know, like I offer this much. I'm just going to sit on that for now. So to sit on something and even English means I'm not going to change my position. I'm going to stay where I am. And so it's the same in Sanskrit, the word stay, by the way, also Sanskrit, Sanskrit stuff. Anyway. So, um, so therefore, uh, th- this verb, asa, different forms of the verb can also be used as an auxiliary verb. For example, to keep on doing something or to go on doing something, you can use forms of this verb like asa as a, an auxiliary verb, like someone you know, sits or just remains doing something. That's how in Sanskrit how you say to go on doing something, to continue doing something. And so asina, Uh, Here is the, there's a lot of grammar, right? I just want to let you know, even though there's a lot of grammar, we do not give refunds. So, um, so, asina, asina means like remaining, like remaining in a certain position. And here Krishna says, udasina, remaining above. In other words, a devotee, a serious devotee is not dragged into mundane conflicts. The devotee remains above it all. And another term Krishna uses uh, with the same idea, which I'll let's see if I can find that here. Okay. Actually, it's in the same verse. The word comes right after the one I just gave you. It's that's the next word, which is uh Madhyasta. A madhya, of course, you should recognize we have an English middle. And that's what madhya means, the middle. And sta means standing or remaining. It's actually a synonym of vasina. It, it means like you're standing in a certain position. And uh, so standing in the middle. In other words, someone that doesn't get involved, again, in partisan mundane conflict, someone who s- stays in the middle, moderate, moderate, also cognate with the Sanskrit word madhya. Someone who stays in the middle, someone who is above it all, above the fray, as they say. So that's what Christians are saying that a devotee should be. And if If you look in the Gita, I I didn't post a particular verse, but there are many, many verses where Krishna is talking about the symptoms of the mode of passion and you do not want to be in the mode of passion. Actually, in contemporary English, passion has sort of a positive idea like my passion is stamp collecting. There are very few people nowadays whose passion is stamp collecting, but unfortunately, but anyway. But that kind of thing, like my passion, and there's something I'm really dedicated to, really like a lot. But of course, in our philosophy, we use the word passion in a very pejorative sense. It means, and I'll explain that now. So I'm going to explain why, because, so anyway, Krishna in the Gita, he often says that the symptoms of passion are raga dvesha, which means you become sort of irrationally attached to or supportive of something. And dvesha means you hate something else, friends and enemies as Prabhupada used to say. And, and as Krishna will, and, and now in the verses I'm going to read, as Krishna will point out, getting trapped in this material passion, which really characterizes what's going on in this country right now, means that you will not see things clearly because when, you know, they say love is blind and equally hatred is blind. And so so if you are engaged in, you know, attachment and hatred, you are like doubly blind. And when people are blinded like that by attachment or by hatred, uh, they just, they really don't get things right. And they get trapped. And and obviously, uh, this attachment and hatred is sort of, I don't want to say a natural high, it's sort of a natural low, but it's, 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 it's like, it's like a drug induced experience. I mean, I remember when I was a kid and going to, you'd say like, you know, sporting events, baseball games or football games, you know, there's like 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people in the stadium, Maracana, you know, there's all these people in the stadium. And, uh, let's say if your team scores a goal or if you or you know, hits a home run or touchdown or something, I mean, people actually get this rush it's like a drug-induced euphoric consciousness and it's based on hating the other team. You know, you boo them, boo, you know, and, and, and you... And so it really is like a drug experience. And so people are really highly motivated to hate because if you just love everyone, for most people, it's nice, but really boring because most people find the mode of goodness boring. For example, in so many movies, you know, leave it to Hollywood to be stupid. They, it just comes naturally. They don't have, obviously, don't have to try, they just have to be themselves. And there are like innumerable movies where people laugh at a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet as if not being cruel and murderous is a big joke. It's like, what could be stupider than not cruelly murdering innocent creatures? That's pretty stupid. And so, uh, yeah, they are stupid. They are remarkably stupid. So um, so therefore, but people get locked into this. It, it's like a drug addiction. You can see that the haters, they have to hate. And so the haters on both sides, they're, it's like a drug addiction and if they come to the mode of goodness and look at let's say the political economic or social situation more objectively like what's really going on and pay attention to the evidence uh it's like asking a drug addict to give up the drugs and wouldn't you rather just take a walk in the park and look at the little goldfish in the pond it's like no where's my stuff you know where's my drugs so it's That's really what it is. We have basically a country where not everyone, you know, you talk to moderate people all the time. I mean, most people I talk to think the country's gone crazy and people on both sides are just crazy. And of course that's correct. And and so that's really the situation. So devotees, it's just like we worship Vishnu and Vishnu is the Sattva Devata. He is the presiding deity of the mode of goodness. And the Brahmins are in the mode of goodness. And Vaishnavas are supposed to be the best Brahmins. And so we are supposed to sort of superintend. We are supposed to be representing. That's our product, you know, the mode of goodness and ultimately purified goodness. And so as Christian says, standing in the middle, Udasina, being above the phrase. So when people claiming to be Vaishnavas get too much involved you know, I, I inform myself about what's going on for my own understanding. And I think I do understand on the material historical level, what's going on. And I think I know who the, you know, super stupid people are on both sides. And there's a lot of them. You sort of need a scorecard, you know, because they don't wear numbers on their backs. So, one of um, But... Uh, the real solution is Krishna consciousness. And ultimately, if we as Vaishnavas get sucked into this attachment, hatred, like the, the this drug addiction called the mode of good passion, Rajoguna is, it is like, you know, sort of like a gateway drug. And it's the mode of passion and politics, I should say the gateway drug is getting, you know, getting involved in partisan politics and blinding yourself intentionally, forgetting Krishna consciousness, and falling into the absurd illusion that by hating half the country, we can actually bring peace to the country. As if that half the country is just going to die or, or emigrate, go to some other place. And so it's like, it's astonishingly unintelligent for a devotee to give up our principles, our understanding, and get sucked into this ignorant, passionate drug experience, in which you know you 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 claim that half the country are all bad and your half is all good, and of course both those claims are absurd if you know all the facts. So uh, now I'm going to, uh, without further ado, I tried to offend as many people as I could in this sort of introductory statement. And so now I want to go to those Gita verses. And uh, so, first of all, to understand what I'm about to do, um, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna uses two words, jnanam, which we often translate as knowledge, and buddhi, which is often translated intelligence. And so in, 1820 uh, through 22 I left out the mode of ignorance because it's just it's it's just so dark that it, I mean it's not really directly relevant to, to these remarks it's just like so absurd but 1820 22 Krishna talks about jnana and the mo- three modes of nature and then 1830 through 32 uh, buddhi and uh, if you uh, study what Christian is saying then you begin to understand the difference between jnana and buddhi jnana means something like worldview worldview which technically can be called synthetic knowledge which means what's the big picture like when you put the whole picture together what does it look like to you what do you think reality is as as a whole and then buddhi is analytic intelligence synthetic doesn't mean that that knowledge is made out of nylon uh, it just means that it's like uh, sin, actually S-Y-N from the Sanskrit, some S-A-M, like in some together kirtan. So sin, sin thesis means the together thesis when you put it all together. And then uh, vuti is analytic intelligence, which means what are the different parts? What are the different components? And um, like right and wrong or good and bad or I mean, you kind of break things apart what's it really made of and uh so so let's start with 1820 krishna says um sarva bhuteshu Jainaikam bhavam sorry there's a z before bhavam that should not be there it's a sign that I'm being hacked by aliens. Anyway, sarva bhuteshu jainayakam bhavam abhyam ikshate. So Krishna, interestingly here, ikshate means one sees. So he's not talking about what people claim to be there. they believe this, that. He's like, how do you actually see the world? How does the world present itself to you? How do you see it? And in my Gita guide, uh, there's a whole section where I show how Krishna repeatedly talks about knowledge as seeing, as seeing. And so, you know, how do you see things? So one who sees sarva bhuteshu in all beings, actually the word yena, if you're looking at the Sanskrit there, yena means by which. And so, to kind of put this in an English syntax, in an English word order, what Krishna is going to say is, if you look at the last line, tadgyanam, or the last you know, half of the second line, tadgyanam, that knowledge know to be satvikam in the mode of goodness. Know that knowledge to be in the mode of goodness. And it is the knowledge by which, that's yena, yena means by which. So know that knowledge to be in the mode of goodness, that knowledge by which uh, one sees. And so that's that's how it's working. That's how this sentence is working. It's that knowledge by which one sees sarva in all beings, ekam bhavam, one state of being. One state of being. One see, no that knowledge of gyana to be the mode of goodness by which one sees in all beings one state of existence, which of course is equal. And then Krishna says, this is very key and obviously essential now, if this country is ever gonna become even moderately sane, avivaktam vivakteshu. vibhakta means divided. And it comes actually, if you want to know the relation between that and the word bhakta, which means, you know, Billy Joe from Kentucky, but the word vibhaktam in Sanskrit means uh, it's just the word bhakta or bhakti with the word v, which means a part. So the idea here, if you're interested in getting deep into what our philosophy is, that the word, the root, the, the Sanskrit root here is budge. Like, and please pronounce it like I won't budge. That's It's not bhajanam. Bhajanam, if devotees say, do you want to do bhajanam, bhajan, they say you want to do bhajan, that means do you want to do a container? Because bhajan in Sanskrit means a container. And there's nothing wrong with devotees making containers for Krishna. But if what you mean is let's chant or let's do devotional chanting, then the word is bhajanam. Exactly like the English word "budge," budge in them. So it'll be the first in your country to pronounce that word right. Anyway, so from that from that root, "budge," which means to devote oneself. So how does it mean that? Because it's actually a very interesting word because it can mean to share, to divide, like "vipakta." Vibhakteshu means among divided things. That's what it means. And it's referring to Sarvabhuteshu. So, all living beings, one of sees all living beings who are divided, they're separate, they're different. And so, how that relates to the word bhakti or bhakta is that when you divide, dividing also can mean sharing. So if you say, let's say someone has an apple pie and you're really hungry and you don't have anything, you say, would you like to divide that apple pie in the sense of, would you like to share that? And so the word means to share in the sense of to divide, to separate things. And so because it means to share, it comes to mean devotion. In other words, sharing your life with someone. For example, um, the way you like, probably the most common way in, in Mahabharata that people pop the question they propose. I don't think they get down on one knee, nor do they have a ring in a little box. Those are, of course, another culture. But, but they do, there's some things they do. And so the typical ways a man will propose to a woman in Sanskrit back then is they, he will say, uh, Bajaswa mang." tuam That please, like honor me or accept me as I am accepting you, as I or please devote yourself to me as I am devoting myself to you. So it's it's beautiful, but just, but Anyway, so um, so that's the word it, it and and so. It can mean a bhakta is one who shares their existence with God. Shares their existence with God. You bring Krishna into your life, and everything you do, you share it with Krishna by offering it to him, by doing it for him. That's what it means to share your life with someone. Is it means that you uh, you know you act for that person out of love. So that's what the word means originally. And then bhajanam, of course, just comes to mean devotion devotional chanting and so on. not bhajanam don't do con- anyway it's not a container it's, it's it's chanting so um so getting back to this verse krishna is saying one who sees and the word avibhaktam is modifying the word uh, uh the phrase ekam bhavam so someone in the mode, knowledge in the mode of goodness is that by which one sees a ekambhavam, a single nature, a single reality, which is a single reality, which is avivaktam. It is undivided, vibhakteshu, in the divided. And of course, who are the divided? It's the sarvabhuteshu, it's all living beings. So divisions of race, of species, of gender, of age, of size, of beauty, of education, this, that, athletic ability, whatever, because people are different. People definitely are different. Genders are different on average. That's real social science and um, or common sense. Either one will do in this case. So um So we as Buddha, sarva bhutesha, one who sees in all living beings sees the undivided same nature, the single spiritual reality, which is abhyayam. It's unperishing. That means it's spiritual because material things perish. So one who sees the same equal spiritual nature undivided in all the divided creatures that knowledge by which you see that you see it is in the mode of goodness so obviously on both sides you know the people on the left or the right none of the you know they don't love the other side they're not most of them are not trying to have conversations they're trying to hate because they're drug addicts they're addicted to their hatred and therefore they want to hate they want to ridicule and both sides are basically missing a lot of facts because they because of this hate addiction they have. And also they're, um, they're also addicted to thinking that our group is better. You know, we're the real people, we're the good people. The other side, they're all jerks. So this is their drug addiction. It actually is a drug addiction, by the way, because in the mode of pa- passion, you get like your body starts producing different kinds of Drugs. So the idea that, you know, one side or the other is going to save the country is kind of, well, it's very absurd. And that's why devotees should not be absurd. They should stick to our philosophy. So then, and and by the way, regarding the topic, uh, you know, like friendship, I think real friendship, real friendship in Krishna consciousness is between people who are trying to spread Prabhupada's mission. It's right there in in Shastra because it's it's on the Madhyam Adhikari platform. Again, middle, the middle position, Madhyam Adhikari. It's in the Madhyam Adhikari position that you do four things. You worship the Lord and you avoid offensive people, but you make friendship with devotees and you try to help others. You try to help the less fortunate. So if you are on the Madhyam platform, or you're aspiring to it or whatever you are, then um, you make friendship with other devotees. You actually can make real friendships, lifelong friendships with other devotees. And, and, and what do you do with that friendship? You try to help people who don't understand Krishna. You make friendship with devotees. Now, obviously, if you're just into rituals, puja, I, I'm not a you know puja basher, and we all love the deities, but if that's the center of your life, and according to the Bhagavatam, if that's the center of your life, you are on the third-class platform. Actually, the Bhagavatam says, if your big thing is just ritual puja, then Bhagavatam says, you are on the material platform. You are not on the spiritual platform, right there in the Bhagavatam. bhakta subhakta smrita. So, if you are aspiring to, or if you are on the second class platform, then you make friendship with the devotees, and what do you do with your friends? Like when friends get together, yeah, you want to see a movie, or you want to go ice skating, you know, what do you do with your friends? You try to spread Prabhupada's mission. That's what what Krishna conscious friends do. They try to help other people. So, um, now let's look at the mode of passion. Let's look at jnana, the mode of passion. Krishna says prithag twena. Prithag means separate, and so prithag twam, prithag twa means separateness. And here you have the instrumental form by separateness, prithag twena. Uh, just like we had the word jana, you should start to recognize the ena ending, like the knowledge by which. And here it's the separateness by which. So here Krishna says, Prithag Twaina two, because he's already explained the mode of goodness. And now he's saying, however, you know, we have a problem now. He said, okay, this is a mode of goodness. However, uh, that knowledge, Tadgyanam in that line, that knowledge uh uh, and, and it's sort of understood, the word yena is understood here. pratag tvena nana bhavan pratag uh bhute Oh, actually here, I'll explain, because some of you may actually be interested in grammar. I mean, it's not too painful. And that is here in, in, in 1820, Krishna was saying the knowledge by which one sees. Here, grammatically, what is saying here is the knowledge uh which knows because the word vati the first word of the second line is obviously the same root as the word veda and it means one knows like he she or it knows and so here krishna the subject of 1821 is actually the jnanam that knowledge that knows the, the the knowledge that knows um by separateness In other words, it's a state, it's a worldview, remember Gyana's worldview that understands the world by dividing everyone up, by division. It doesn't understand, it doesn't see the world by unifying, by seeing how we are all together and all this, but it, it is a knowledge which understands by dividing, putting people against each other. Does that sound familiar? You read the news. And so it is prittag by separating, by division, To However, that knowledge, which knows nanabhavan, prithag bidhan, sarveshu bhuteshu. So it's a knowledge by which sarveshu bhuteshu in all creatures, you look at the different creatures, the different living beings around you, and you see that they are nana nana means like varieties of or multifarious so you see nana bhavan you see many different natures now look at that word in the first line of 1821 nana bhavan and you are, krishna wants you to contrast that with uh, the, the, the the words in the other verse in the first line, ekambhavam. So knowledge in the mode of goodness sees and in all the different creatures, because we're all different, there's ekambhavam, there's one spiritual nature. Whereas in the mode of passion, you see nanabhavan. You see different natures. Pratag, again the word pratag, of separate kinds, of different kinds. And they're not going to come together. They're not going to be united. They're just different. Because it's not that you see the differences. Go back to 1820, the first words of the second line, in the mode of goodness, you see that creatures are different. I mean, you know, you're not a moron. I mean, you see that there are different species and genders and ages and everything, just all, you know, different, just all kinds of different creatures out there. However, you see that there is one that in these beings, there's an, in the divided beings, there's an undivided spiritual nature. But in the mode of passion, the differences are fundamental. Men and women are just different. Therefore, you know, women should not be treated the way we treat men. Of course, you would never seen anything like this in the Hare Krishna movement. Which preaches that we're not the body, right? I mean, I mean it's the last place in the world, a movement that teaches more than any other movement on earth that we're not the body, no leader, no one in the Hare Krishna movement would ever like, you know, treat women less than they treat men, right? I mean, that could never happen in the Hare Krishna movement. So moving right along here. Um, so if someone, for example, sees, oh, you know, women. That means, unfortunately, not only are they, are they not seeing things on the spiritual platform, they're not even in the mode of goodness. They're not even in the mode of goodness. So forget the spiritual platform. I mean, that's, you know, that's far beyond. So in the mode of passion, you, that knowledge, passionate knowledge, understands things as different in conflict, Separate, there is no unifying factor. There is no unifying factor. There is no undivided, one spiritual nature that unifies all life. People are just different, end of story. As they say in Italy, punto e basta. You know, so (laughs) that's it, that's the end of the story different this is the mode of passion so uh, so krishna says vidhi know like the command know that knowledge to be rajasam passionate and which of course is pejorative here so i think i've explained all that right you get these two verses okay moving right along so now Let's now we've done jnana in these two modes of nature again. Ignorance is just like totally off the rails. So, but so, so let's go to buddhi in um goodness and passion. So, buddhi, which is analytic intelligence, how you analyze things, how you because even though we see that all beings are ultimately one, but there are things that need to be categorized, need to be separated in different categories, like. For example, the mode of goodness and the mode of passion. So, intelligence in the mode of goodness, So, again, Krishna puts as the noun, the subject of this verb, is buddhi. So, he's talking about, he says, uh, So, part of, that booty, that analytic intelligence is in the mode of goodness uh, which understands things in a certain way and so we'll talk about that um, he says I can't resist uh, a little historical linguistics here uh, there's you know there's just no medication for it so I'm gonna so I'm going to explain it. Um, because it's we have the same thing in english it shows that the the that english and sanskrit are very similar not only because certain words sound the same like the way you say mother in sanskrit if you're addressing your mother is not mataji that's hindi uh if you were addressing your mother in sanskrit you would say mater so i mean there's many words i won't go into all, you know, the very long list of, of similar words but Actually, you know, we say pravritti because I'm just pronouncing it the way everybody does, but the real Sanskrit pronunciation is praverti, praverti, and niverti. And we still have that. So you have pra and ni as prefixes, pra, verti, ni, verti. And so the stem is verti, which you should recognize by now. We still have in English in words and, and we sit with different uh, prefixes like the word invert revert subvert pervert extrovert and so on and so that vert in english is sanskrit vert it's the same stem and just as in sanskrit you put different it's just the way sanskrit is constructed you can put different prefixes onto a verbal stem so you can say pra vrti mark you can say ni vrti mark same thing in english subvert invert extrovert revert etc 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 so you can see even the structure is actually the same as Sanskrit so anyway what do these words mean proverb near I mean I won't get into this too much I'm not going to be like a, a phonetic purist here but but there's a there's actually very solid evidence ancient evidence that the Sanskrit V was pronounced like W and uh, and we still it's still pronounced that way in certain words, like if you think of the word "swami," where you put it's actually a V, but it's written as a W. So it still survived only in certain phonetic environments, like for example when it follows uh, an S or something like that. But anyway, that's a that's really too much here. So um, the word "verti" verti means function. It means to turn, and because it's very interesting, because in 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 many ancient cultures including vedic culture the sort of basic motion of life is the cycle things move in cycles you know the years go in cycles and the seasons go in cycles and the planets and the stars you know everything is moving in the cycle the yugas go in cycles it's funny because in the in the middle eastern in, in the in the uh, middle eastern culture which of course became european culture through christianity and judaism Um, they substituted a linear conception of time where time is just moving in a line and they didn't see that there are actually great seasons of time. They should have noticed the seasons, you know, the years, the movements of the sun. But anyway, so therefore in Sanskrit, the verb which means to turn also means to function in a certain way. Or, or, or to act in a certain way, to behave in a certain way, and uh, yoga in the Yoga Sutras, you know, it begins. The first Yoga Sutra is At Yoga Anushasanam. Now, the authorized teaching of yoga. I won't go into all the technical translation, but it really means now the authorized teaching about yoga. And then the first statement is uh, is a definition of yoga: Yoga Chitta Vritti nirodha. Yoga means to stop the mind from sort of spinning out of control. Spinning, you know, turning, yoga, britti. So anyway, so here, pra Pra we still have in English, by the way. Anyone want to guess it? You've got invaluable prizes. It's, uh, this is like, this is uh, Sanskrit Jeopardy. We have the word pro, like think of the word progress because gress means movement, right? To regress or ingress to go in or to progress, which means to go forward or proceed, progress. And so that English pro is just Sanskrit pro. I mean, it's the same word. And so here you have pravirti, which is, you can see, I mean, it's just like, it's like English. And uh, and so it means to proceed, to go f- like, you know, get into something, to proceed, to to enter something that's uh, a And knee is the opposite. Ni is like you, you, you know, you you go back, you you sort of step away from things. And so therefore, prabritti marg prabritti marg is renunciation. You transcend the world by just rejecting it, like you become a nishtiki brahmachari, or you become a sannyasi or brahmacharini or a sannyasini or whatever. And uh, Pravritti means that you go into the world, you get married, you have kids, you get a job and you sort of experience the word world like that, but by offering it to Krishna, which is called karma yoga, uh, even within that situation of being engaged in the world, you become purified and you make spiritual advancement by offering your work to Krishna. So they both work. They both work. And, uh, but that's where those words come from. So Krishna is using the word prbhthi cha and Here he's not talking about strategies for practicing spiritual life. Here he's just talking about like when do you get into something? Like if life throws up some opportunity, you know, in your, in, 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 to you, you know, present some opportunity to you. Should you take it? Should is it is it a trap? Should you not take it? Or even if, you know, when should you go forward? and When should you pull back? In relationships, employment, association? Well, that's kind of redundant with uh, relationships. But anyway, so sorry for that redundancy. God, I feel so bad. Anyway, so, so that's what Krishna is talking about. Like, I mean, in a simple way it's said in English is like do's and don'ts, like when, like knowing when to get into something, when to pull back. So he says, again, notice that buddhi means analytic intelligence. Like, you know, is it this or is it that? Whereas gyana was the whole picture. Although it's interesting because technically people whose gyanam is in the mode of passion can never really put it all together. They're faked out by the bodily differences because they're in the bodily concept of life. They take bodily differences as fundamental because they take the body as fundamental identity. And so therefore, even though jnana, if you look at jnana the mode of goodness, it's obvious that the real function of jnana is to put it all together. They actually don't get there. They never really put it all together and they're stuck with differences and they don't see how it all ultimately is unified, how everyone's equal. They actually don't see that. So, but intelligence in the mode of goodness is not putting it all together. It's breaking things down because it's not enough to see we're all one. You know, it's not all to have your sort of daily Kumbaya moment, But, but also we have to see how to live our lives because as we know, some people think that they're, you know they believe in equality but they hate half the, half half the country they believe in equality but only for you know certain people and other people they just despise they hate and uh, cancel them whenever they get the opportunity and so they're not really they're not really seeing everyone as equal they're actually seeing half the country as radically inferior radically inferior because they don't agree with them politically and often radically inferior on a racial basis, although they're against racism. Anyway, I said, I wouldn't go there. So, uh, actually, uh, Leela has a little button she can press and I get a little, just a very minor electric shock. Okay. So so intelligence, Oh, don't push that button. I said, now she's going for the button anyway. So, um, so in, so one of the distinctions that buddhi and the mode of goodness makes is, I should, you know, you know when should I engage? And, and because the next one is going to be um, karya karya. So karya literally is the, um, uh, okay, what is that technical grammatical term that, that no one wants to hear? Gerundiv. Technically it's a gerundive form of the Sanskrit word a verb, which means uh, karya, literally means to be done, to be done, that which is to be done, and therefore it simply comes to mean a duty, because the duty is that which you should do, that which is to be done. But that's what karya is, so karya and akarya, and A, it ends in A just because it's the dual neuter form. Okay, uh, I'm surprised Nandalila hasn't sent me a little private text telling me to take my medicine. Anyway, so, karya, karya. So, intelligence in the mode of goodness, <laughs> analytic intelligence, sees or it understands what is to be done and what is not to be done. So, if we compare that with prabritimcha and uh what's the difference between Prabritti Nibritti and karya, akarya? I, I think in this case, Prabritti Nibritti really means sort of like taking up a way of life. A way of life, like, like what way of life should you take up, I and mean, what way of life should you avoid? Whereas karya karya can mean like a single activity, an individual activity. Should I, you know, should I do it or not do it? And pravritti nibritti means more of a lifestyle, more of a just sort of a way of life. So, but again, intelligence, the mode of uh, goodness uh understands these and then bhaya bhaya. the word that's just you know, the dual neuter again bhaya abhaya so bhaya probably usually translates as fear but it's interesting because the word the word bhaya in sanskrit can mean the emotion fear or it can mean the cause of the emotion in other words a perceived danger it can actually mean both so so in other words krishna is saying here not and it doesn't mean technically to be feared that would be paid of you it really means danger and non-danger like if you can see like this is dangerous or this is not dangerous and of course if you get those wrong you can die one time i was at there's uh, this beautiful little 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 town in the mountains actually of west texas called um alpine texas and I'm uh, actually, I'm talking about it right now so positively because they're sponsoring my appearance here. Anyway, so uh, there's a university there and I was, I was walking once, I was doing a Joppa walk during my travels at, at the college there. And I saw so this really funny poster. It was an ad to join the uh, skydiving club. And it said, if at first you don't succeed, this club is not for you. So anyway, uh, it's obviously important to know, uh, you know, what is dangerous and what's not. Otherwise, if you are afraid of something which is actually good for you, you can really damage your life. And if you think something is not dangerous, but it really is, you can imagine possible consequences. So bhaya danger and what is not dangerous, Bandam moksha, what is bondage and what is freedom? Because moksha also means freedom. And, or, you know, liberation, freedom. And so, for example, fruitives, as we affectionately call them. Oh my God, I just threw the F-bomb, right? Anyway, so, uh, the of uh, workers, uh, they when they become very very attached to someone they think it's like a good thing and they don't understand first of all they're in serious danger of being annihilated by a whimsical change of feeling on the part of the other person so you, we have to know what is really binding you know material attachments There's all kinds of things that non-devotees think are very pious, like to get just unlimitedly attached to someone with whom you have a bodily connection. Or they, I mean, they think it's, you know, there's no problem in eating deplorable food. So what really is going to trap you, what is really going to trap you in this world and really uh, destroy your freedom And, and and what is real freedom? So again, intelligence has to know that. So Bandha Moksambha, so ja, ja bhuti that's the idea. That intelligence that understands all these things saw that intelligence Partha. satviki is in the mode of goodness. That intelligence is in the mode of goodness. And now 31. Uh, oh, I've been speaking quite a while. Oh, my God. So... Yaya, so Yaya means by which, the reason you had Yena before, that's the masculine by which, because it, or masculine or neuter because it referred to Jnana. And here you have the feminine, Yaya, instead of Yena because it refers to buddhi, which is a feminine word. So the word for intelligence in Sanskrit is a feminine word, so so yaya which it's understood uh, that intelligence by which by which that intelligence yaya by which dharmam adharmam ca, dharma and adharma which you can understand that you know what is really dharma what is really your proper duty and what is not karyang cha cha and indeed what is to be done what is not to be done there's what is your real duty? What is really good for you? What is good for the world, and what is not? What is your duty? What is not your duty? So Krishna says the intelli- that intelligence by which or uh, by which one understands. We're going back to the subject of the sentence. Here is the person again. Just a little anyway, you can't see it unless you know Sanskrit. But anyway. So that intelligence by which one prajanati understands all these things, which literally means inaccurately. Inaccurately. In the mode of goodness, you get everything just totally backwards. That's what Krishna is going to say. But here it's just, it's inaccurate. It's inaccurate. Yata, yata means as in Sanskrit and also it can mean like, like for example, when they translate Bhagavad Gita as it is in Hindi or Bengali. They say "yatarup," like the you know as it is. So yata, and so "yatavat" means sort of accurately as it is. "Yatavat," I mean that's how you'd say as it is in Sanskrit, not in Hindi or Bengali. And so a yatavat," inaccurately, not as it is. That intelligence, sapartha, rajasi, is in the mode of passion. That intelligence is in the mode of passion, rajasi. So um, anyway, I I think it's very clear, isn't it? How we as devotees should approach this conflicted world. And it's it's, it's just like, you know, if a devotee took drugs before becoming a devotee, there's always the... uh, Probably used to give that example of an accidental fall down. You know, a young devotee is walking down the street, and that devotee used to smoke or weed or something, whatever they call it. And uh, so the devotee meets an old friend who, you know, and without thinking, the devotee, you know, again falls into that old habit. And so, um, because before we joined the movement, most of us were kind of doing that drug, hate, you know, love and hate. Certain things, you know, you just abominated, to use a strong but somewhat neglected word. So if you, you know, there are things we really didn't like or hated and things we really were attached to. And so when all this political ruckus starts, you can be, you can fall down we can fall down into our old bad habits. It's as much as if you smoke a cigarette again, or, or, you know, or some drug, or, you know, we can fall down into those old bad habits by getting emotionally involved in the uh, remarkable stupidity, which is now being exhibited uh, on the uh, extreme left and right. Which as I said, ignores most of history and social science if you fact it fact check it basically you have you have you'll have a nice thing to do for the next 15 years so anyway so that's a, we are supposed to stand above it that's the word krishna uses madhyasta udasina and that's real friendship helping each other to rise above this nonsense and uh, and powerfully presenting Krishna consciousness as the real solution. And so someone could say, well, in a sense, the mode of goodness is a solution. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give an argument now. And then, and which would be that in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is talking about intelligence in the mode of goodness and knowledge in the mode of goodness. Why do people need Krishna consciousness? They just need goodness. Okay, that's the end of my lecture. No, just kidding. So, the reason why we need the reason why we need (laughs) the reason why we need Krishna consciousness is because Krishna says in the Gita that "vishaya vinivartante," I'll resist. I'm not going to all the interesting grammar here, but visaya vinivartante niraharasya dehinang, that among embodied souls, dehinang. Uh, uh, one who nirahara, nirahara literally means like fasting because ahara means eating, Sort of literally consumption. And therefore, just like you can consume all kinds of products, you can consume media. So, the word consume when I was a kid kind of meant eating food. But of course, it's taken on a much broader meaning. It's commonly used to mean just to use or, yeah, anything like to consume. Certain media or technology to consume this or that. And so that's the Sanskrit word ahara. Ahara literally means sort of taking in something, taking in something. And again, it it can mean eating or just taking in. And near means not, as in near vana, you know, no vana, no material current of birth and death. And so you have this negative particle, negative prefix near. So near ahara means not taking in, literally. And that's the word Krishna uses. He says that uh, among embodied souls, among conditioned souls, if someone just is not taking in uh, vishaya, the sense objects. In other words, you're just trying to control yourself. Like, you know, you're eating very little or you're like avoiding all kinds of pleasures and I remember there were some devotees that revealed to the world that I was a bogus guru because I sometimes played classical music on the piano. And I, God, what can I say? And I'm so sorry I did that. But anyway, so, you know, some people try to, um, yeah, they just try to give up everything. So that's nirahara. And so Krishna says the result of that nirahara is that visaya, the sense objects, uh, vini vartante, this is Nibriti, this is the verb, Nivartante. it's just the verb. So V, anyway, I won't go into all that, but it's it literally means the sense objects kind of like recede, they pull back, they, they. It's, it's like, you know, if you, let's say if you've been fasting and you're kind of weak from fasting, you're not going to feel very romantic, uh, you know, if you haven't been eating. And so, and and, and that's a strategy. If you look at monastic traditions and Buddhism and Christianity, they try to, the monks try to overcome sex by fasting. So that idea that if I eat less, I'll control my lust, um, it's, yeah, it's something which was noticed throughout religious traditions. So, but Krishna says there's a problem here. Okay, someone is uh, nirahara. They're kind of trying to give up the sense objects. And, uh, and it works, apparently. Vishaya, the sense objects. Vini and V kind of means like each one. Anyway, nivartante, you already know, it means like nivrithi, to pull back. And V just means sort of like categorically, like each sense pulls back. So, Vishaya Binivartante Niraha Rasya Dehinang, for someone who's like, like renouncing everything among embodied souls. But Krishna says, Rasa varjan that the sense objects pull back, except, Varja means except, Rasa, the taste for it. In other words, you're fasting, but guess what you're dreaming about? So so Rasa Varjam, the sense objects pulled back, except for the taste. You still inside of you, if you could get away with it, you would love to do it. And a lot of times, you know, that, that's kind of like Sadhana There's a lot of things you would like to do if you could get away with it. You know, if God came to you and said, okay, you can do it, no problem. You know, you do it. Because Rasa, the taste is still there. I mean, imagine if Krishna actually did that, so you can do whatever you want. There'd be like, you see devotees all around the world, like buying dozens of little containers of onion and garlic. Anyway, just kidding. So, <laughs> so, Vini Gartante, Niraha Rasya Dehi Rasa Varjam, except for the taste. But then Krishna says, Parangristwa. Which is translated, you know, experiencing a higher taste. What Krishna really actually literally says in Sanskrit is seeing drishtwa, like darshana. This is the verb drishtwa, seeing parang, something higher, seeing, experiencing something higher, parang drishtwa, nivartate. And so, anyway, I'm going to all the grammar, but the word nivartate here refers to rasa varjang, rasoapi asya, but even the taste. So when you're fasting, when you're just like renouncing things, the sense objects kind of pull back, but you still have that taste. You know, you can fast for days and then one good meal, and you're just as lusty as you were when you started. And so, so varjang. so except the taste, the taste doesn't go away. But Krishna says, upon experiencing something greater, even... So Even the taste goes away. Even the taste goes away when you experience something higher. So that's, I mean, I think it's good to know what Krishna is literally saying in these verses. So applying this now to the, um, why people need Krishna consciousness, not merely the mode of goodness because it's Krishna consciousness that really gives you a higher taste. Because people love to mix and match the modes, as they say. And so, you know, someone will feel, okay, I'm vegan and, uh, you know, I wanna feed hungry people and save the environment, but I hate those Republicans. And so they indulge themselves in sort of like a heaping tablespoon of raw, ugly passion. Because they still have that passion inside of them for all their you know, loving nature and blah, blah, blah. They still have a, a, quite a bit of passion in them and therefore quite a bit of hatred. And, but in Krishna consciousness, if we actually advance in Krishna consciousness, then even the taste for hatred and even the taste for thinking I'm on the winning side, like we're better than you because lording it over sometimes is done most, most satisfyingly as a group. Because you may want to individually Lord it over, but if you can get a whole bunch of people and get that whole social psychology going and all the power of, you know, the pack stadium and all that, then, then you can really hate. Then you can like, it's like hatred on steroids when you do it collectively. So in order to bring people really above all this nonsense, uh, there's actually a need for Krishna consciousness. That's the higher taste as, as it's translated. That is what it means to experience something greater. And so... Um, we have to be firmly convinced that Krishna consciousness is a real hope for the world. We have to actually be convinced of that. So that we don't just, you know, fall down and get back into the same drugs we were taking before we became devotees, including, you know, the political drug of, you know, hating half the world. And that is real friendship. That is real friendship among devotees. So, um, any questions on these points? Hey, Leela, I did it, didn't I? I mean, I didn't really.
1: Whew. I did not have to eject you. You're okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I just have um, less less of a question, more of a comment, and I wonder if um, we we have a special challenge. Um, Trying to share Krishna consciousness in a city that was built by the mode of passion for the mode of passion, so everything is mode of passion, and um, it just seems like there's a a little bit more of a challenge to to. I would say that that.
0: New Yorkers, uh, as opposed to Pennsylvanians, anyway, New Yorkers. I think there's a lot of people that came to New York because you know the bright lights and all that, and it's you know, it's it's New York, but they really miss um you know the mode of goodness, and that's why people that can afford it either go to uh what is it, Westchester County, or they go out to Long Island, or they I mean that's why surrounding New York, all around New York, you find these expensive areas where people can afford it, get away from all of that. And they can, you know, get back in touch with nature and they can just have a more peaceful life. And, and the people who, there's a lot of people in New York who don't have nice homes on Long Island or New Jersey or Connecticut or Westchester counties because they can't afford it. They can't afford two homes. And so I, I think in New York, there'll be a huge market uh, for Krishna West for Krishna well oh, another thing I wanted to say like why our brand is special Krishna West and uh, that is because um, and there are many or well, there's several there, there there are quite a number of really excellent programs devotee programs in New York and I want to acknowledge that I mean really excellent preachers and leaders and very sincere devotees and uh, I mean obviously that's true obviously that's true So why Krishna West? Why bring Krishna West to an apparently crowded market? And I would say that because, I mean, we've started practically from nothing because Krishna West was sort of very subtly controversial when I began it and um, had certain trace amounts of controversy. Um, And because I really, despite my, you know, inflammatory rhetoric. Um, I actually, in in Krishna West, we've actually followed a, a very, very high ethical standard. I mean, we don't take devotees from temples. I mean, if I was like up to no good, if I was sort of like, you know, not an ethical person, there were hundreds of devotees I could have convinced to, you know, leave your present service, come with us and all that. I mean, hundreds. I never did that. We didn't try to take over temples. We didn't steal devotees. We were actually extremely ethical and nice. And, uh, and therefore, we started with nothing. No assets, no resources, no properties, no devotees. I remember I always say that, um, uh, I remember the first couple of months of Krishna West, uh, the total membership was one, it was me. Because I was like, I was just, I was thinking, am I really going to do this? Like, this all hell's going to break loose if I do this. So I I didn't, I didn't want to push it. I also thought, actually, it was a conflict that it was in inappropriate for me to use my position as guru to pressure my own disciples to join Krishna West. I thought it has to be their own free decision because they accepted me, you know, under certain conditions. And because Prabhupada does strongly encourage things like Krishna West, but he also talks about other things. I thought that, um, yeah, it would be inappropriate to use my, just as I think it's very inappropriate for other gurus and leaders to use their position to keep people out of Krishna West. I think that's equally inappropriate. But in any case, I thought, take the high road. So, um, so we started with nothing. You know, I was just, tired, I didn't have the old energy to travel around and, you know, be like a full on cult leader. So we basically started with almost nothing. We started with almost nothing, no resources, no people, no nothing. And, um, but now it is growing a lot. First of all, it it transformed ISKCON. I mean, ISKCON is not the same movement it was uh, five or six, seven years ago in terms of attitudes toward things like Western preaching. But still, and, and, and there are obviously programs in New York that are much bigger, they have lots of devotees, they have excellent leaders. I mean, they're, you know, they're wonderful programs. So why, why Krishna West? Okay, actually I have an answer. Uh, because I am convinced for all the reasons I've given, you've all heard it so many times. I am convinced that even though we're smaller now, long term, We have the winning formula. That it's Krishna West, sort of the way, not just, you know, the way we're doing things is ultimately going to go all the way in terms of really making Krishna consciousness a powerful spiritual force in the country, which it isn't now. I mean, despite many good leaders and many good devotees, it's not. And because ISKCON tends to be so... just not do that well in the West, if you have a good program and there are good programs and there are good leaders that make some devotees that, you know, that seems amazing and and huge, but that's not my metric. Metric, by the way, from Sanskrit mantra, but anyway, so my metric is stepping back. I I don't want to compare, let's say a particular project in this or that city in America, to, let's say, other temples where they don't make any Western devotees, I'd rather compare it with other religions that are making thousands of new people. And so, I don't want to be king of of the valley of the blind, you know, the one-eyed person that's king in the valley of the blind. And so, because of the way Prabhupada trained me, repeatedly, I mean, he really drilled this into me, I have to keep my eye focused on a powerful, relevant Hare Krishna movement that is a major spiritual force in Western civilization. That's, And I think that even though we're small now, because we just started from nothing, literally zero from absolutely nothing. And I mean, We didn't have an endowment, like even like the other projects in New York. And but I, I really think that this is the way to go all the way. That's that basically something like what we're doing is what ultimately history is going to favor. And if you look at the history of religions, you can see there were, for example, there were many competing Christianities or, or ways to be Christian, and ultimately. Or other religions at the time, you know, in antiquity, Greco-Roman times, there were many, many, there were, it was an extremely multicultural, multi-religious society, the Roman Empire. And um, so I, I think we have, that it's, that's what we're doing, Krishna West, or something very much like what we're doing, which ultimately will be favored by history. And therefore we just have to patiently keep going. And I think history will vindicate that idea. Jenya, you have a question. Do we let women ask questions? Oh.
2: Ooh. Sorry. Tricky. <laughs> I don't know if that's in the Krishna West bylaws. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us. <laughs> Okay, my question. Um, well, you mentioned, you made a statement that uh, real devotee friendship means spreading Srila Prabhupada's movement. Yes. And I was wondering if you wanted to comment further on that, because I felt like that was um, a pretty important statement. And I think that's what we're all here to try to cultivate in our own lives.
0: Yes. Thank you very much. It's a really a to to use the phrase that uh, they used in Jane Austen's time, that's really a home question. And so um, first I want to make clear that let's say we're friends and, and, you know, let's spread Krishna consciousness together. That definitely includes that if, you know, you need spiritual support or help in any way, that I'll always be there for you because I understand that, a precondition for you to be able to really go out there to spread Krishna West is that you have to be happy and strong and healthy and all that. And so, keeping each other happy and healthy and strong, I mean, ultimately, of course, uh, you know, we, we can help people that want to be helped. Some people want help, some people just want attention. I had that, um, I really learned that I was um, once when I was in Nova Gokula and they have these sort of seasonal plagues. And uh, you know, in the sense, of like, because it's tropical. So like certain months of the year, a particular insect will just proliferate, reproduce beyond anything you can imagine. It's kind of like, you know, watching that old movie, The Ten Commandments, when Moses comes and, you know, sends all the plagues to Egypt. That's what it's kind of like living in tropical country. Anyway, so... <clears throat> Um so one of the many annual plagues was this sort of little beetle that flies around. It has a very short lifespan. They're like everywhere, and they they live just a day or two, and then you wake up one morning, they're all upside down, flailing, you know, moving their legs. And so I remember when when I saw that on my patio, I, I went to one of the little beetles and I turned it, you know, I put it back on its legs. And it took two or three steps and just poof, was on its back again. And you can't help it. You just, they're just gonna end up in there. And some people are like that. You know, that's just their comfort position or something that they wanna be victims or they wanna, and you can help them, but they'll figure out a way to, it's like I've seen devotees like that where they're in a certain community and they have trouble. And so they say, no, I was mistreated, which is possible. So you send them somewhere else and they're mistreated. So you send them somewhere else. And amazingly, they were again mistreated. And you can send them to 20 places and each one of those places within 72 hours, they will be victims. And so so I've I've learned to distinguish between people that want help and people who want attention. And in order to keep getting attention, they have to keep needing help. but let's say among friends, like we're friends and and we have this sacred vow, this sacred determination that we're going to try, do everything we possibly can to spread Prabhupada's movement. And so in order to do that together, we have to help each other. We have to be there for each other. And so, so that's part of it. So you could say, well, no, because some people say, no, we we shouldn't be thinking about helping other people. We should think about, you know, helping the devotees. But the point is, unless unless you engage someone in spreading Prabhupada's movement, they can't get to the second-class platform. There's this myth, which I've heard a million, what's hyperbole, I've heard hundreds of times, at least, where sort of like self-righteously, some devotee declares, no, we should just try to help the devotees. We can't think now about, you know, spreading the movement. And they all, they base this on, on one statement Prabhupada made and, and, and it was valid for about three months because the movement was like exploding. It was growing like crazy. And Prabhupada said, boil the milk. But he said that at a time, not when the movement was starving, when we could hardly make devotee. He said it at a time when it was growing so quickly that it was almost like out of control. And, and, and so he didn't, and so we kind of, you know, put a little more attention training the devotees, although we were still preaching and then just went back into gear. And so now it's the opposite. You know, there, there's like, what do they say? There's, uh, you know, uh, there's uh, starving and feasting. So fasting and feasting. We're fasting now. This isn't a time, this is not a, an analogous historical situation where the movement is just wildly growing in the Western world. There's so many new devotees that let's just, you know, stop for a second and train people like, really, it's kind of the opposite. So, so therefore this false argument, that, no, we shouldn't work. I mean, I, there are many devotees when I said, we have to make new devotees. And they, they've said, no, we don't, we don't really want to get people to join the movement. It's almost like they become so politically correct. They become, so nice that they think it would would be fanatical to try to get people to join the movement. We just wanna make friends. But as social science shows, if you just make friends, you will fail historically, you will fail. If all you make is friends, then you really haven't done anything. So yeah. I couldn't believe how many people were sort of taken aback when I said, I want people to join. Because sociology shows you have to build your core. And I don't mean, you know, your abs. I don't mean, you know, six pack abs. I mean, you you have to build your core in the sense that we, I want committed people. I want people who say, I am a devotee of Krishna and i want to spread krishna consciousness that's what i want of course we want to make friends of course I mean, the whole point of krishna West is you know we make we we um you know we, you know we're friends to everyone however we need people to actually join the army otherwise we'll get nowhere and so the idea no let's just train our devotees how can you help a devotee if i if i'm trying to help a devotee and I can't get that devotee to take the world seriously and really try to help the world, uh, that devotee will never really advance very much. They'll always be third class. And if that devotee doesn't advance, they'll always be on the mental platform and, and they'll always suffer. You can't free someone from their problems if they don't come to the second class position. And to come to the second class position, you have to be a Krishna West stormtrooper. Isn't that right, Ananda? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, Jagannath, you had a point, Jagannath. Ananda's first. Oh, Ananda, go ahead, Ananda.
3: All right. Can Can y'all hear me? Oh yes. All right, awesome. I mean first of all thank you. Thank you so so much for doing this um, this class and um I really love and appreciate the the grammar, um the Sanskrit grammar and the gerundatives. Um that that's totally my jam. Like yeah. Like give me more. Um but um but also <laughs> I wanted to say that um the you know the Greek word Sophia is also means wisdom and it's also feminine too just like yes.
0: Yeah, Sophia, right
3: and you know um when uh ha- how do we get people to join the army if we're not like shang can, like cuz i don't think we should like shanghai people you know to like the army but but we're going we to
0: rule that out okay yeah you're right we shouldn't we shouldn't yeah we shouldn't just you know shanghai
3: yeah <laughs> kidnapping um but uh, like um i would like i mean i I like uh how do we br- br- do more like i know it's always good to have friends and what they tell you in like marketing is that like oh like you know you make a point of contact uh with a person and you have um and they you have to develop a know like and trust factor you know with them being if you're like you know an entrepreneur um you have to like grow your audience, but then it's like, how do how, how do we get people to convert, not to convert, but like, as like, yes,
0: yes. Convert. That's another vert, by the way, convert. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you, how, or, or as you know, or getting by it as like a trainer. Okay. You- uh, yeah,
0: I get it. We should have buttons to say conversion is cool. Um, I can convert you ask me it's, I think we have to proportion our attention to people, proportion that attention to their serious interest. In other words, there's a great line in Jane Austen, which is kind of like Smriti Shastra. It's not Sruti, but it's Smriti. The where, um, where uh, I think it's sort of the lesson that Emma learns in, in the book Emma, which is that paraphrasing that uh, we should have goodwill toward everyone, but everyone is not our friend. I mean, I mean, there's a way that you can use the word friend more, let's say, or less rigorously, like, hey, buddy, or hey, you know, like everyone, you know, be a friend to everyone. And and Krishna even says in the Gita, sarva nam, the well-wishing friend of everyone. So there's a sense in which a devotee is a friend to everyone. However, there is a special sense of the word friend, which means that you really let someone into your confidence. You really, they become a real associate. And so being a friend to everyone doesn't mean you hang out with them. And so when we become serious about, about spreading this movement, when we become serious about our own life and serious about Krishna West, then we proportion. Like you become expert when you talk to someone. If you can see nice person, you know maybe take some prasada, maybe read a book, probably not, or maybe. You you don't spend a lot of time with someone who clearly doesn't have serious interest. You continue to smile and be friendly and nice, not just you know being fake but because we are nice, because we really see everyone as a soul. But time is very limited. We have to proportion our time to the actual level of interest that people have. And, you know, that used to be what we were always taught. We got trained up in book distribution way back and way back in the day that um, if you spend a lot of time with someone who clearly is not that interested, but just likes to talk then maybe there were like three people who were interested that you missed. And we really had that consciousness. I actually took it too far. i you, I'll tell you a funny story at my expense. I was a Gerhusta. That's how you actually pronounce the vowel, or a Gerhusta. And um, so my wife and I, we were we were just newlyweds, really. We had our honeymoon on the streets of New Orleans selling back to Godhead. That's very romantic, isn't it? and so we were uh, so I was so much into this consciousness you know don't waste time you got to look for the interested people and so I was and of course very few people actually wanted to buy the magazine for me I was not like Joe Salesman but I was out there and then my wife came up to me and she was laughing at me because good naturedly because I, I was like going so fast she said that some of the people are actually stopping, but by the time they stop, you're like two or three people down the way. I mean, you're like, they're stopping, you've already gone past them. And so I realized I had to be a little more patient. So obviously, you know, you can go too far on the other side. You can go too far on the other side, but I think we really, we have to be focused and and that 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 real determined intelligence that that's what i'm about i am trying to spread this movement i'm trying to save this planet imagine you're in a tom cruise movie or one of those bruce willis movies where the planet's going to you know collide with an asteroid or something or the bad guys are going to detonate a nuclear bomb in all the world capitals and you only have like you know 12 hours to save the planet and like you don't want to do anything else. Like, Hey, you want to go to the ball game? No. Hey, you want It's like, you're just, you know, it's like that race against the clock. And so I think, you know, we shouldn't become like crazy frenetic or anything, but we have to have that mental discipline where we understand my life is about trying to save this planet in Prabhupada service. That's what my life is about. And, um, and there's no time to lose and so therefore in our relationships and how we spend our time we're really focused and it's just that's the mission that's the job that's what i'm about so every one of you should be starring in your own blockbuster movie trying to save planet earth i
3: saw so oh, like another like little quick question or thing but is the the best way, the best way is to spread Krishna consciousness is to be that example of it in our- That helps,
0: that helps, but being the example means be also being an example of reaching out to people. Right. I mean, obviously we don't want to be hypocrites, but I, I hear devotees like, yeah, we're going to buy some land out in the middle of nowhere and raise a cow as if the world gave a damn. It's like, there's this kind of like mystic belief that if I get a couple acres of land, you know, we, we move our family out in the middle of nowhere and we have a cow, somehow we're saving the planet. No, you're not actually. And so, yeah, if you're a good example, yeah, that helps because then people notice you're a nice person and all that. But when people notice that you have to be ready to pounce. Yes, you have to be ready to, in in an appropriate, intelligent way to try to see if you can start to bring them to Krishna consciousness. Otherwise, I mean, it's not that. Otherwise, it's just another agata sukriti story where I'm just going to be a good citizen. I'm just going to be a good person. And people know that I chant Hare Krishna. And so if they see that a nice person chants Hare Krishna, yeah, they'll put it in the same file with the other you know 97 types of good people that do other things
3: so it's being willing to it's like you said being willing to pounce like these are the actions like these are the actions that like i follow and like oh you know can i can i engage further what i like about you know yeah and
0: and obviously you have to be intelligent because you don't want to scare people off or you don't want to you know, you know, come off like a fanatic or something. So you, cause we're not fanatics, but you know, of course we lead good lives. We want people to respect us, but that's only a, uh, one step. And then if they take you seriously, you try to give them some knowledge. And if you see, they're not interested, you know, kind of clean it up and okay, we're friends and all that. And just move on because, you know, just wind to have friends and hang out with people where there's no real Krishna consciousness, it's just another form of sense gratification. It's like not offering your food to Krishna. It's not offering your friendships to Krishna. And so we have to really get back in shape. I mean, it's, you know, it's the historical dialectic. In the early days of ISKCON, um, you know, we were really the hard sell. I mean, it's, woo. We were, I mean, aggressive. It's just the beginning of what we were. So, and then of course, naturally people went to the opposite extreme. And of course the word preaching is no longer, you know, used among some devotees. That's okay. Maybe it's not the best word in today's world, but I've had so many devotees tell me, Oh, we don't want people to join our ISKCON. Actually, I mean, I heard that from a lot of people. So you can be so nice and so polite that you become useless to Prabhupada.
3: Would one thing be like t- to to share our to share our story? To-
0: of course we share it, but the point is every devotee preaches in their own way. I mean, basically, you know, you're smart. You're smart, you're an adult. Just find a way to relate to people in a way that's favorable and makes them want more. You can figure that. Out. Everyone's gonna have their own way of doing it.
3: All right, I got you're,
0: it. You are not a wallflower.
3: <laughs> I got
0: so, it. Yes. Okay, Stormtrooper G. So, uh, Jagannath. Finally. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh my God. Is he an alien? Thank you so much for the class. (laughs) Uh, We live in a society where the mother passion
1: dominates most of the activity today. And we see the devotees in a very kind way In the mood of goodness, seem to be overwhelmed, you know, by the force of passion. You know, they dominate the world. We like, uh, we see too weak before society. That I think defeat us right now. Who can we match then, and take the game or the fight, and more even level?
0: Yeah, I, I think i mean we're not really we just have to go out there and really play hard we have to play a great game it's like you want to win the game you play a great game so um yeah i I mean we have a unique product we have krishna consciousness and we have krishna west which is like the best of the best did i just get myself in trouble no so, but I really think we we do have the best of the best, and um, yeah, I don't think we have to worry about it. Like, what size are we now, and who else is trying? And people are crazy, which you know we know. I think we just have to go out there and really do an amazing service for ProFoot, and it'll just it'll naturally happen. And and you know, if I'm if you if I'm trying to spread krishna west in a certain way and nothing's happening then obviously i've got to find a different way to do it it's that you have to be relentless you don't stop until you find the way to do it and you don't just keep doing the same thing even though it doesn't work because that's not Prabhupada either so we have to be creative we have to be intelligent we have to just figure it out i mean you're all intelligent you should all be leaders just figure it out And don't be satisfied with, you know, in this case, small is not beautiful. Small means the world goes to hell. So any other question? Okay, well, I'd like to thank you all very much. Pleasure to see all of you. I think Jenya is about to, she's going to tool up her program, right? Working with Leela.
2: Yes, yeah, so Acharya Dave, uh, Lila and I will be working together here in New York and Lila, maybe you can drop the email address in the chat real quick um, and everyone I think entered their email actually so we can reach out to you separately and if you're interested, you can just hit us up um, with any questions if you want to get more involved or in touch oh, with yes. all of you to begin with. Oh, yes.
0: Definitely hit them up, mm-hmm. that used to mean something else in the old days of ISKCON to hit someone up. Mm-hmm. But um, no,
2: I assure you, it's very appropriate.
0: <laughs> I, and Jagannath, Jagannath very kindly agreed to, to work with everyone, uh, helped coordinate everything. And, um, you know, once it's medically safe to do so, I definitely want to go there and, um, you know, do some programs with all of you.
2: We're really excited. <laughs> There's a lot going on in New York. So, you know, oh, yeah, we want to make York. the most yes. of the momentum here.
0: Yeah, Prabhupada said it's the most important city in the world. He chose that city. Of all the cities in the world, Prabhupada chose New York. Okay. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you, Ananda Leela, for facilitating this. So, Natasha, I just saw Natasha. Natasha, by the way, is doing a wonderful service and getting my books in print.
2: Jai
0: Natasha and Radha Madhava. You know, our house is getting ready. We're gonna be waiting, we'll have to talk about that. And uh, Jamuna Jeevan, right? I'm ready to, yeah, yeah. Jamuna Jeevan is in Costa Rica, aren't you? Jamuna, you're in. No, Costa
2: Rica? that was J- that was Jamuna Jeevan, um, who will be in New York shortly, but I think she. Really? dropped off but oh, she oh, oh, oh. is um she's coming to New York
0: oh okay in a few days and Rebecca who knows Rebecca
3: hey, well, Chari Dave I'm so happy to see you my that I don't know why my Zoom changed my devotional name from Rama Davidasi to my Carmi name but now you all know my other name too so
0: Rama are you in New York
3: no, Sheila Dave. I'm still in Florida.
0: <laughs> oh, right, right. Where in Florida?
3: Down, Way down um, on Pine Island, about three hours from Orlando.
0: Pine Island, is that in the Keys? No. Not
3: that far. It's about an hour from Naples.
0: Oh, on the Gulf South- side. Oh, right, 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 on the Gulf side. Okay, well, when I come to Gainesville, you have to come see me.
1: Thank you, Sheila Dave.
0: It'll be a pleasure okay well let's see and paula
1: uh, acharya Dave, um paula has been helping me with the krishna west new york city spanish groups uh, she's leading a weekly group and uh helping me with my my weekly group and so she's been such a big help and being really really personable to people and just being a huge support for everything that, that I try to do, however small. Um, and she, she's also, sorry to speak for you, Paula, um, but near Gainesville. Oh.
0: Ah, mil gracias, donde vives? In Gainesville. In... Oh, you're in, you're in Gainesville? Uh-huh. Oh, so you'll be part of our community there. Very good, thank you very much for your service. Okay, everybody, and uh Billy, Billy, I, I can't see, but Billy and Alex, thank you all so very much for attending. Still there, we can't see you, but okay, so um thank you so much, and let's 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 go do this for Prabhupada. Thank you,
1: Haribu. Haribu, Maharaj. thank you so much,
0: thank
1: Krishna. Haribo